Transformative Principle, Episode 52, with Teresa Stagger. Welcome to Transformative Principle, the show where we learn every week from a leader who's making a difference, how to become better, and improve our schools. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter, at Jethro Jones. You can find great resources and the show notes at transformativeprinciple.com. Um, one of the things that you talked about was implementing a one-to-one iPad program. Um, yeah. So talk to me about the logistics and details with that sure. because that's that's pretty huge. Yeah, it was a it was a big deal when I first got this job. Um, like I had mentioned, there was a huge decline in enrollment, and it was we were kind of at this you know this teeter totter stage where you know we're either going to go down in flames or we're going to rebuild this and we're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was kind of like, a, um, you know, what can we possibly do that is going to help us here? And so we've got around, around the area where I'm in, we have a lot of Catholic schools. Um, so there is a lot of competition, but we've also been working to try to nail that and say, you know, it, we shouldn't be competing against each other. Mm-hmm. We should be helping each other because it doesn't help anybody when we're competing. So now we're kind of in this, um, you know, that has changed a little bit so that they're, you know, we're not, you're not looking for students that are unhappy at their current school. Right. You know, which is kind of what the mentality was before. Mm -hmm. So we said, you know, we, we sat down for a school board meeting in, um, well, it's an advisory council. And we sat down the first, um, the first meeting that I had had with them. And I had already been kind of, I, I, was offered the job at the end of June. So, but, but there was a, a process of about three weeks during the interviews and things like that, that I had started kind of looking for, you know, what can we do? And I started brainstorming ideas and because now I was back in education and I was, I was working in human resources. I was an implementation director for a payrolling company and, and I was like, oh, education, good, what can we do? And so I'm like, I'm, you know, like all these things that I never got to do when I was teaching, you know, that because when I was laid off, I didn't know, I didn't know. It was, it was the biggest shock. It like, we didn't even think number one, that they would cut that high. And I thought I was safe because I'd been there so long. Mm-hmm. So it was a shock. I didn't have time to wrap up. I didn't, I mean, it was like, boom, there it is. So, um, so now I'm, you know, I've got all these unused ideas that I was like, oh, I could do this and we could do this. And so I started talking to one of my best friends growing up is the K-12 education rep for Apple in Michigan. Hmm. So I sent him a message and I was like, okay, under the radar, what might this look like if, you know, let's just look at a quote. Let's just see if I wanted to do iPads, you know, could I, could we get a class set? What would it look like if we did this? What would it blah, 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 blah. So I get all these quotes. I don't have the job yet, but I'm getting all this stuff anyway. And I told one of my friends was on the school board. That's how I got the job. We went to grad school together and he kind of headhunted me for this job. He was mm-hmm. like, I really think that you're who we need to kind of pull everything back together. And so I'm talking that to him. like, good. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> it was like, and he just kept going. Like he called me in February and I kept putting him off because I was like, I don't want to move, you know, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to move. I don't know this area. And he just kept calling and calling. And I was like, fine, I'll take the interview. And then I got there and I was like, I have to be here. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is, this is just where I have to be. And, um, 
so I'm looking at all these options and I'm thinking, you know, iPads. iPads are huge because it's it's a draw, it's a new technology, and the building doesn't have a gym. So when I had gone in and we were talking about, you know, what are we gonna do? They have amazing sports teams, but we don't have a gym, so they're always somewhere else. And and that's it's a it's a, a deterrent when some people are looking for schools. They see that there's not a gym and they're like, yeah. so I said, we have to have something else. And they already had a Mac lab, but I said, there's got, we have to be the best at something else. It's mm. gotta be, and it's gotta be something that we don't need three years of testing to prove. Right. You know, we can't, we can't be the best in academics because our Iowa scores are the highest because it's going to take too long for that to be. So it's gotta be instant. And so we looked at iPads and, and I went into the school board meeting and we had, it was probably three and a half hours just kind of going through all of the beginning of the year stuff and what is this going to look like? And, you know, and so I had said at one point I had said, you know, what do you guys think about iPads? And they were like, iPads. And I said, yeah, I said, you know, what do you think about a one-to-one program? Because this, I had learned that this school had raised $40,000 for a new playground in a year. Wow. So I was like, and that was on top of the $80,000 fundraising budget that they already have. Wow. So I was like, they can do this, you know? And a lot of our families, kind of a, a backlog for a second, but a lot of our families went to school here. So mm. it's a very um, strong community. You know, these people want this school to succeed because they went to school here and their parents went to school here. And it's a it's a family tradition now that their kids are here. So so they kind of you know, they kind of looked and they said, iPads, you know, what would that do? And I said, well, you know, we could put in the school has wireless Internet, but I could expand it. You know, it's just a couple routers. My husband works. um, He has a computer science degree and he works at uh, Blue Cross doing a lot of there, he works on their, you know, does their web pages and customer experience. He's a manager there. So I was like, you know, between him and I, you know, we could, we, we wouldn't have to hire anybody out. We could just try mm-hmm. to expand it a little bit. What else, you know? And they were like, oh, okay, so we could do that. And then we brought the Apple rep in and he talked to them. And we had, we had, I gave them a quote and I said, you know, if we had, and this is really the year to do it, I said, because we have a decrease in enrollment. So we would, we would only have to buy us, you know, we'd buy a smaller amount. And then we could add as we go. And so they were like, yeah, let's look at that. And I said, you know, second semester, we can look at it. We can talk about, you know, but just to kind of have it on the back burner that this might be something that maybe we should think about doing. I said, and you know, I I worked in implementation, so I can, I can do an implementation. You know, I said, we'll do a pilot with one of the classes. We'll roll it out. You know, we, we can make this work. And they're like, yeah, you know, let's think about that. And they're, they're talking about different ways to fund things and, so the meeting's over, I go to the bathroom before I go home, and I come out of the bathroom, and they're all standing there, and they're like, we're going to do it now. <laughs> do what now? <laughs> I was like, you know, this, was, this conversation was probably 35 minutes beforehand. <laughs> so right. I'm like, what, what, are, what are you talking about? <laughs> and they said, the iPads, we're going to do it now. And I said, what do you mean now? And they said, we're going to go big or we're going to go home, so let's do it now. And there's a there's a fund in the yeah it was ridiculous. There, there's a fund in the county where um, where we live that there was a woman. Uh, her name was Marie Mason, and she was very wealthy and left a ridiculous amount of money to the Catholic schools in our vicariate. 
And the vicariate is like a smaller, like a district of a county, if mm. you want to think of it that way. So she left all this money to these schools to be used for education. And so what we've been doing with it, it was like $250,000 when we started. It's a ton of money when we got it. And so what they've been doing is borrowing against it. So when we bought the new computer lab, they used that money to fund it. And then they pay it back, you know, over five years. It's like leasing it from ourselves. Right. So they're like, we've got the Marie Mason fund. We can just we can just purchase them, and then we'll figure out how to pay it back. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, so you know, we go and we figure out the numbers, and we go and talk to Father Jim. And Father Jim does not have an email address. Mm-hmm. He has a flip phone. This man wants nothing to do with technology. Nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing. But he was like, so tell me why you know it's important to the kids. And I explained it, and he's like, how are you going to fund it? And I said, well, we can use the Marie Mason Fund, and then, you know, if we, if we charge, you know, we can self-insure, so we don't have to worry about that extra $100. I said, we, Apple had told us that with the amount of iPads that we had, that on average, 8% of them will either, you know, be a brick at some point where it just, you know, it just dies, mm-hmm. or the kids will break it beyond repair. So, right. so we purchased 11 extra, because that was the 8% that we had. Mm-hmm. And we self-insured. So each family pays $20 per year with a family cap of $50 per family. And we just take from that money to fix them. And we had, my husband and I, you know, you and I had talked about the nerdy principal thing. Um, my husband and I dig all this technology stuff. So we talked to our uh, bookkeeper and said, you know, can we just buy like an iPad repair kit? And then we can just fix them if they break. And she was like, what? <laughs> I said, there's, you know, there's this great kit from ifixit.com. I said, it's $180. And then we just have to buy the screens for like 30 bucks because we have iPad minis. So the screens are a little bit less expensive. I said, but if we send a broken screen back to Apple, it's $200. These iPads aren't even worth $200 at that point. Right. So we just fix them ourselves. And I think they were just about spot on with the 8%. Um, I think we had two kids who shattered screens last year and I've had to send, I had to send three of them back last year because of a brick. But the thing with that is they're still within the year warranty. So you send it back to Apple and they send you a brand new one. Mm -hmm. So we had that. I think I've sent two back this year just because they just stopped working, but they're still within the warranty because we did our pilot was in October with the fourth grade. We did it. We take our standardized testing the first two weeks of October. Mm-hmm. So right after that, we did our, my fourth grade teacher had volunteered to do the pilot. And so fourth grade had the pilot in, um, in October, we worked out most of the bugs and then, you know, cause there, there are still some bugs, no matter how long you do a pilot, there are still some bugs that will not come out until you give a kindergartner an iPad. Right. You know, it's, I mean, that's just how it goes. So, we uh, we rolled them all out in at the end of January in the second semester, and uh, it's been amazing. So we ended up, Father Jim, what I was getting at, um, which I moved past very quickly, <laughs> was that <laughs> Father Jim had, had decided that this was such a worthwhile initiative that we didn't have to pay the money back to the fund. So mm-hmm. we used the fund to purchase, to make that initial purchase. And then what we've done is like I said, we have the insurance that the families pay every year and we increased tuition by $50 a year. And so it became like a technology fee is really what it ended up being. But mm-hmm. they, so the, so now we take that money, that $50 per year, 
we put it into a separate fund. And the way we figure it is we can use the iPads for four years, which will give us $200 per student to purchase a new one. And then we can sell these for like 25 bucks or $30, you know, at the end of their school lives, we can sell them to whoever wants them because they'll still be usable. They just won't be usable for what we need them for. Right. So you sell them for 25, 30 bucks to whoever wants it. You know, the, the older personers can use it for a Kindle if they want right. or email. And then we have enough money to purchase the new ones in, um, you know, in four years. And then what we've done is we, they've got them pre-K through eight. And pre-K, we have a set of 20 that stay in the pre-K classroom. They never leave, ever, because our kids are, you know, we have different kids every day for pre-K. Some come Monday, Wednesday, some are Tuesday, Thursday, some are every day, some come half day. So they just stay in the classroom and they use them where they find it necessary. The rest of the kids, um, they all have the iPad that they had last year. And then when the preschoolers moved into kindergarten, those kindergartners got the ones that the eighth graders left mm -hmm. when they graduated. So we just keep rolling them through. And then we ended up having, because we had such a small kindergarten class, we ended up having enough for the new students plus the extra ones that we ordered at the end of the year. So we didn't even have to purchase anymore. Now we do because we're, we literally have none left. So I don't have any for like when a kid has a bricked one, I don't have any to give them right. in the meantime. But it's worked out really really well man that's really cool um quick side question have yeah. there been any concerns about kids being having too much screen when they're young and what it does to their brains or anything like that no because we don't use them i mean that was a question when we started we had a big like town hall meeting mm -hmm. um right the day that we passed the ipads out we had this big and it was it was funny because i had I had mentioned earlier, I don't think it was while we were recording yet, that we had the snowiest winter we had ever had last year. Right. And so there were some days that it was, the because in, in Michigan, if the wind chill is below, I think it's 30 below, they cancel school because of the kids standing outside at the bus because they're not all dressed. You know, their parents don't always dress them appropriately. And so, so we did have a couple of these cold days that... Um, that they called the night before because they said, you know, the wind chill is going to be 55 below tomorrow. We feel rather confident it's not going to warm up 25 degrees. So, you know, we're going to call it tonight. And the day that we passed the iPads out was one of those days. We had gotten the call between the end of the school day and the meeting that there wasn't going to be school the next day. So we send a message out. And we're like, the, the, because once it gets on TV, everybody knows there's no, you know, there's no school right. tomorrow. So we said that we're still having this meeting. We're still passing these iPads out, but we we're still having this meeting. So then the kids were super excited because they had an entire day the next day to play with these brand new iPads and set them up. And the whole weekend, it was a Thursday night. So Friday we didn't have school. They didn't have to come back until Monday. So it was it was kind of awesome for the kids. But we have this meeting with the parents, and there was question about that. But what we explained was. You know, they're not using them for their textbooks. Mm -hmm. It's not a, it is, the technology is not what they're doing all the time. The technology is to enhance what they're doing in the classroom. So they, for the most part, they use them. The teachers have been utilizing them for research. So either getting on the internet, you know, dictionary, vocabulary, mm -hmm. class, um, for the little kids. Um, extra reading practice. You know, there are some of those with the students who 
um, who can't read yet or are still struggling, you know, you have some of those interactive books that the words light up um, and they can follow along as they're going. So, but those are usually for homework and then for creative things like um, creating movie trailers as a, um, as a cap of a chapter or things like that. So they're not, um, you know, they don't take the place of any of the instruction that's happening. It's purely for, um, for enhancement. Hmm. And that, that helped a lot because yeah. once people understood that, that they were not going to be on the iPads all day long, it was like, oh, now I get it. Yeah. That's cool. Are you managing the iPads or are the kids, is it their own iPad that they are, that they get uh, to keep and manage themselves? Well, it's twofold with that. I, I am the, the tech director um, yeah. in, our, in our little school. So uh, what Apple suggested to us, which if I had to go back and do it again, I would not do it this way. Um, and when we, maybe next year we might revamp, but um, Apple suggested that with the kids that we had, the amount of children that we had, that we have them set up their own Apple IDs. Mm-hmm. And then, but we could, we can, because they are school devices, um, we can still control what is on it. We still have the ability that we have a six page um, acceptable use policy and it has spots for the kids to sign, the parents to sign. They give us their Apple ID, their password and their code, their four digit code in case we ever have to get in there. Um, I have had to confiscate one, and I wiped it because she was not using it appropriately. It was a sixth grader, and I said, we've warned you. You know, we've talked about this. So I wiped it, and then we put a a school Apple ID on it with a password that only the teachers know, mm-hmm. and she can't take it home because she's just not making good choices. Right. But for the most part, the parents um, the parents do it at home. We've sent, we sent home a, a document with screenshots and things on how to set up certain parental permissions Mm -hmm. um, so that if they want, if they feel like they need to, you know, block something or if they're worried about, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever. But we really haven't had um, any issues. The, the biggest concern that we went back and forth with, I mean, you, you know, I live by Twitter. I think it's one of the best resources that exist. And so the, the question was, do we block social media? And we went back and forth on that for a really long time. But we decided that it's not blocked. They just don't use it on the devices because we can't, we can't do anything about what they're doing with it at home. Mm-hmm. And if it's on a school device, it was just too sticky. And we said, you know what, if they want to tweet something, they can do it. If their teacher wants them to put it on, if their teacher says we're, you know, we're using, because a lot of our teachers have um, classroom Twitter accounts. Right. So we said, if you, want, if you want them to do that, go ahead. But we're doing a blanket with no, no Facebook, no Twitter, no Instagram, um, obviously no Snapchat. Um, and then their teachers can decide if they want, like, because they can use iMessaging and they use FaceTime. They've been using FaceTime to help each other with homework after school, which I thought was super cool. And I never even thought about that, you know, but they were FaceTiming each other and working on homework. The fifth, fourth graders were doing that last year. Um, But we had to take, like, the third grade, we had to take the iMessaging off Mm -hmm. because 
they were calling each other stupid <laughs> and and they were telling each other to shut up mm-hmm. and they did not like that the kids were like he's telling me to shut up and I don't like it and I said okay we're done so we just turned it off you know there were certain things that we had to kind of go but but with the trust that we have with the parents and that relationship that we have they don't question it right you know they come to us and they say listen i think that you know, XYZ is happening on this kid's iPad. Can you check it? We do. It's happening. It's off. You know, mm-hmm. the whole class loses their iMessage rights and nobody questions it because they know that we must have a really good reason for doing it if that's what happened. And we make sure that whatever we do, we always inform the parents before the kids go home. Yeah. Like if, if there was an issue in class when I had to take those iMessages, the iMessages off, I sent a message to every third grade parent And I said, I just want to give you a heads up. Some of the kids were upset because they were, you know, having conversations that, and and it was, they were putting each other in this big group text. And so they couldn't get rid of it. And, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to delete it. And then the kids are responding to it again. And, and so I said, it just, it's out of hand. The kids are upset. So we turned it off. If you have any questions or if there's a reason that you need to have it on, like, um, you know, my children go to their dad's house on the weekend. And so they, we use the iMessage so I can communicate with them without having to go through dad, mm-hmm. you know, or like the kids will FaceTime, you know, dad and stepmom while they're here. And then they FaceTime us while they're over there, things like that. So if there's a, you know, if there's a reason why your kid needs it, not a problem, but you know, this is why we did it. And never an email. If anything, we get an email back that says, thank you very much for keeping us updated. And Thanks for everything you're doing for our kids. Right. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, let's let's move on to another thing that is sure. um, I'm excited to hear about because I'm a little bit in the same boat. You mentioned that you create all new policies and procedures. Yes. Um, so that, and you said that that's because many of your policies and procedures did not exist. One of yeah. the things that that I see as difficult with that is that when you start putting policies and procedures into place, then you're going to start frustrating some people who have been doing it that way for 20 years, or this is how it's always been done. How do you, how do you deal with that issue um, while putting new policies and procedures into place? All right. So there's, there's a lot to policies and procedures and the worst the most difficult part is when you're new. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no question about it. And the reason that we had to do it was I had mentioned that we had a principal who was there for a couple weeks at the beginning of the school year, the year before I was there. And he cleaned out the office before he left. There, mm-hmm. nothing existed. When when I got there, I remember the one of the first things I said was, this office looks really empty for it being worked in. Right. You know, it just, they were gone. He gutted everything. They deleted the computers. Um, they, it was, there was nothing left. Now I was, we have a principal PLN, um, you know, that we, we do the podcast, the principal right. PLN podcast, and we've got a Voxter group that, um, that we, there's probably about 30 of us that kind of have some of these conversations with either new administrators or people who, you know, like you and I, we've, we're doing, well, you're, you are new still this year, but you know, we've, we're doing this for a little bit now, but there are still some things that, you know, I need some advice on. And mm-hmm. one of them was the policies. And one of this, one of the new principals had said, he, I, th- I think he's been a principal before, but he was new in his building. 
And he was like, um, you know, this is the way that they've always done this. And I told him we're going to do it like this and they don't like it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, listen, (laughs) that is not a good idea. If there's one thing when you're, when you're new in a building, the first thing that you do is only change what must be changed. Everything else should stay the same because you don't want to make, if it's worked for 30 years, whatever your good idea is, it's probably not what they need to do. You know, if this is what they're doing, there's a reason why they're doing it that way. You can look at it later and say, oh, well, this makes sense. For instance, last year we had two years or two weeks off for Christmas because of the way that all the dates fell. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at the calendar and we had um, the principal before me had filled out the new calendar for the school year. And they had a full day on the day before Christmas break. Mm-hmm. which to me is this, I mean, that's what we always did. And and I was a music teacher, dude. I had all those kids the afternoon before Christmas break, and it was horrible. Right. You know, they've had their parties. They're ready to go home. It was a nightmare. But you know what? It's part of your job. That's what you do. They apparently every year, they only had a half day. Mm-hmm. And I fought them on it because I was like, we're not – You have two weeks of Christmas vacation. I cannot justify giving you a half day before the break. I can't. I'm like, you don't go back to school until January 6th. You know, like you're off on the 19th. I I cannot do it. And so I called around to some of the other schools, and they all had full days. I'm like, I'm sorry. Listen. I said, I'll make you a deal, and we'll take off. We had a half day on Holy Thursday before Easter. Mm -hmm. I said, we'll take the whole day off. And there's your half day back. I said, but I didn't make the calendar. Next year, I will make a note that this will be a half day. No matter how long we have for Christmas break, this will be a half day. I ended up taking those. I took all the kids for like an hour and a half on that day, and I played Christmas Carol Bingo with them mm-hmm. because the teachers were so upset that they had the kids. They're like, they're, it's too hard. It's too much. I'm like, oh, my gosh. But that is part of their culture. That is what they do. Right. We have another day, um, which when I taught in the public schools, the first day back, the first day that we had a break was um, the day before Thanksgiving. We had the Wednesday before Thanksgiving off, and that was the first day we had off between you know Labor Day and and uh, Thanksgiving. So I'm going through this, you know, last year through the calendar and. We're talking about conferences. We have conferences, um, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday is off. And I'm like, okay, so we have professional development. I've got this whole big, long, you know, agenda planned. And we get to the staff meeting, and the teachers are like, it's not professional development. I'm like, well, then what is it? <laughs> so it's a day off. I'm like, a day off? You have a day off? They've always had it. That was just, that was just what they always did. And this year when I was planning the calendar, we had to add a couple days in. And I was like, let's take away that, you know, that day after conferences. <laughs> My secretary was like, they are going to hang you up by your toes if you take that day away. <laughs> like, there is yeah. no way. There's no, if there's no reason, if there's no good reason to change it, don't touch it. Right. And if you don't have any policies and procedures, the best thing to do is to interview your staff members that have been there forever. They're not going to feed you a line of crap. You know, they're going to tell you what it is. They're going to tell you how it goes. Interview, um, you know, just have the conversation with secretaries, if you've had a secretary there for a long time, with some parents, if they know what's going on. Write down what they tell you. 
and make that your policy and procedure. If there's something very glaringly wrong with it, if it doesn't follow, um, if it doesn't follow what, you know, the state says has to be done, if there's something, you know, I cannot believe you've gotten away with this for this long. Right. Change it and make it so that it makes sense. But make sure whatever you change, you have a really good reason to do it. Because mm-hmm. the last thing you want to do as a new principal is walk in and start changing stuff that they've been doing forever. You know, if you go in and you say, listen, we have to change this because it's not safe or it's not like it's against the law, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. But just write down what they're already doing. Then you have some place to start. And as as you go through, take it in another three or four months and start reviewing it and look at it and go, OK, so now and and even better involve your staff, break them up into groups that are that are that consists of people who have been there for a long time, people who are newer staff members. Um, make sure your specials teachers are involved, and maybe a parent or two. You know, if there's someone that you really trust, or maybe you have a parent who substitutes in the building, or something like that, someone you really trust. Put them in small committees during your staff meetings, and just have them look at it and say, okay, so now we've written down. You know, I've talked to all of you. We've written down what we need or what, you know, what we've said happens during these points. Let's take a look at it and see, number one, if we're missing anything, and number two, how we can make it a little more streamlined. Or mm-hmm. the, the thing that I did a ton was I asked, I asked people for, for copies of what they already had. I contacted Melinda Miller. I talked to Jessica Johnson. I grabbed Spike Cook. I, I called Amber Tiemann. I said, can you please send me a copy of X? You know, mm-hmm. I'm trying to build this, this policy, and I have no idea what it's supposed to look like. Can you send me a copy of yours? Mm-hmm. And they will do that in no issues. My my acceptable use policy came from someone else, my iPad one. That's where mm-hmm. it started from. And then I adjusted it for what we needed. But that's what we're all here for. Right. You know, is to be able to help each other. You shouldn't have to recreate the wheel. All you have to do is get it down on paper. Yeah. So once you get it down, and then we, I went through accreditation last year. Um, because you know, first, your first year is just not complete until you have to go through accreditation. Seriously. So <laughs> we went through uh, paperwork accreditation. We went through the kitchen accreditation. We went through our uh, latchkey accreditation. It's literally like these things once every 35 years when there's a full moon on Tuesday, they fall in the same year and they all fell last year. Yeah. Oh my yeah, it was ridiculous. So we had, I mean, we had to get them written down because they were com- they were going to take our accreditation away mm-hmm. if we didn't have all these things written down. And one of the things that um, was probably the best thing we have done now being the second year, I, I use it all the time. They, um, they came in and they told us when we were doing accreditation, they said, get a binder, just get one big, huge binder and a bunch of um, dividers. And in this binder, put your... Um, put page protectors in there and label the page protector with one of them says kitchen license. One of them says latchkey license. One of them says NCEA report, like the report, the staff report that we have to do at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. One says this report, the things that you have to do every single year, make, put a page protector in it, label the page protector and put them in there. And then next year when you do it, take out the old one and put the new one in because that way when you need to find it, they're all in the same place. 
everything is in one place. You can keep it wherever else you need to keep it. You know, the kitchen license in the kitchen, the latchkey license in the latchkey room. But everything is in this one binder, including a copy of your handbook for staff, a copy of your student handbook, um, a copy of your emergency plans, evacuation plans. We are within um, 15 miles of a nuclear plant here. That was a new thing when I got here. I was like, wait. Like, one of the first thing I found was the, uh, the emergency evacuation for a nuclear meltdown. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> I don't it's, know about this. It's real. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, stuff just got real <laughs> here. So, you know, things like that, that if I needed, if we had to evacuate, I grab this binder and I have everything I could possibly need for the school. All of the, um, or if somebody comes in and needs to check a license, somebody needs to check and make sure you are, you know, your accreditation, everything is in this one binder. And now year two, it's so much easier because we go and, you know, instead of trying to find a copy of what we had, like, when is it, you know, when does it expire? Every year um, we do a Thanksgiving lunch. We just did it this last week. And we buy, you know, 230 pounds of turkey and we cook, we had 10, 23 pound turkeys. We cook home, everything's homemade, stuffing, mashed potatoes. And we cook for like two days straight. And then we serve the entire school Thanksgiving lunch together the Thursday before Thanksgiving. The teachers. And then we have like 40 parents who come in and they serve the kids. And they it's amazing. Awesome. It's, it is so cool. And for the last two years, my buddy, the health inspector, has showed up to do the kitchen inspection. You know, the one that happens every six months. Right shows up as soon as we start serving Thanksgiving lunch. So everybody has to leave the kitchen and oh he goes goodness. in and does his, it's ridiculous. But when he asks for like, so this year we're planning the Thanksgiving lunch and we're like, uh, when is the kids, the kitchen license up? Like, when is this dude going to show up? Yeah. You know? And so we just pull out the binder, flip to the kitchen license and we're like, yep, <laughs> he'll be here. I can guarantee it. <laughs> you know? like, but it's nice to have everything all in one place. And that has been, I mean, literally of all the things that we did last year to reorganize, that is probably the best thing that we did. It's yeah. so simple, but it makes so much sense. Yeah. That, that is a great tip. Um, oh, it was awesome. That's amazing. Um, I've taken up a lot of your time, and I thank you very much for that. I've learned a oh, ton. Thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, my last question is always, what can someone do today to be a transformative principal like you are? Oh, my goodness. I, it, the, I, the first thing that you have to do is build relationships. And you you start with your with your parents, your kids, your teachers, and just make sure that they know who you are and that, that everything that you do is for them. Um, make sure you understand how much your teachers are appreciated. Um, they don't hear that enough. I tell my teachers all the time and I still feel like they don't hear it enough. Uh, make sure you let your secretary know that you know she's the one that runs the school. Make sure that your custodians feel like um, they are appreciated. Make just that that is the number one thing handwritten notes just write somebody a quick note that says you know that says i saw that this happened the other day and i'm so thankful that you're here yeah and just leave it in the mailbox and then everything else becomes so much easier and just make sure to reach out reach out to your pln reach out to anybody that you know if there's somebody that that you know like 
if it if it was Joe Mazza about the um, about the cell phone number, you know, keep that person on your radar and reach out. If you have a question about something or if you're struggling with something, reach out because you're not in this alone. Jessica Spike and I are writing um, are writing a book right now called um, well, it's the title is a work in progress, but it's about isolation and leadership and about how you know. I mean, I would have no idea what to do if it wasn't for all of these amazing people who shared. What, this is this is not a job of instinct, right? You know, you have to talk to people who have done it before you to see what worked and what didn't. Yeah. Because there's no reason to recreate the wheel, and there's no reason to to do something that you know isn't going to work. <laughs> so totally. if you just talk to these, talk to people, make sure that you're, you're not ever feeling alone, that you're not ever feeling isolated and everything else will just fall into place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was like seven or eight really great tips. So thank you for <laughs> shoving all those in. That's great. How can people get in contact with you, Teresa? Uh, you can find my blog and most of my information at principalstagger.com, S-T-A-G-E-R, and on Twitter at Principal Stagger. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And Well, thank you for asking me. This was awesome. Great conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to this podcast. Please subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher, and please feel free to give us a rating on Stitcher Radio or on iTunes so that we can help spread the word about how much we're learning in this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. (laughs) 